Hello, everyone. Welcome to Shots Fired. I'm filling in for Ryan. I'm with Danielle. No introduction to straight into it. So, Inter Milan last week uh, advanced into the semifinals of the Europa League um, against Bayer Leverkusen. Um, I know if you um, you didn't watch the game, but you've seen the highlights and stuff. So, um, what were you, what were some of your thoughts of what you saw? I think Inter did fairly well with attacking and defending. The only issue is at times, of course, they look spotty, but that's typical Inter for you. Um, as you've stated before in recent episodes of our podcast with Ryan, even without him, we've determined that the first 15 minutes, at least for Inter, are like the critical minutes because if they've dropped early, then we knew that it could have had a different change of pace. So, with with against Bayer, because obviously it was it was a cl- it was a close game until until the very end. Ob- obviously, Lukaku was brilliant. Um, but h- how did you feel? And this is not going to be an issue in the next game. But I'm just curious. How did you feel you did against Havertz? Because we know he's one of the best young, young players in the whole world, and he and he did get a goal in that game. So, based on sort of how you approach it. Um, I think with that situation, I mean, he is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think besides that one goal, they did a really good job of containing him defensively, which we all know would have been the key issue if that had not been the case because he is one of, like, the strongest players on Bayern, Bayern or Leverkusen. So, I mean, they did a really good job. Hello? Do you yeah. Hear me now? All right, just give me a second. All right, you have the big news this coming in this week that um, Alexis Sanchez um, is going to be out for the semifinal and probably the final. How do you think that impacts um, Inter Milan going forward, at least over, over these next two games? I think put a too much of a damper on it because we all know Lukaku, he shows up and does a great job executing things on the attack. And depending on what Martinez we get, that could also be a deciding factor too. Like if Martinez shows up these next two matches, like we've seen him early in the season before the Barcelona and the Manchester City rumors and all this stuff. We could, they should easily have no issues taking care of the next two matches. The only one match, of course, will be if we advance to this final. I mean, if those two players show up, I really don't see any issues. And if the midfield can also show up, that would be great. And if the defense hopefully gels together, then I think we should be in the clear. And I do not see why we can't win a final. 
Okay, cool. So uh, there's there's going to be a, a significant difference going into this match versus the match against Bayer Leverkusen because you go into the Bayer Leverkusen match, the mentality is stop Havertz, uh, uh, you know, limit uh, Leon Bailey and try to have the momentum. This this match coming up against Shakhtar, I think is completely different because they don't have – it's not that they don't have great players because they do, but there's not a one player that defines the way they play. So it's not like you have to stop one guy and you, you get the result there. So now that you're going into a collective, more of like a team-oriented team – how do you think Inter should approach this this game, given the fact that there's not one standout player to sort of dictate the way they want to go about doing it? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I did recently, before the recording, um, watch the highlights of the Shakhtar Basel match, and I need to say, holy crap! I mean. The way they executed on the attack was huge, but of course we all know Basel, even though they're a good team, aren't that strong. So that kind of played on why they ended up winning, smashing them 4-1. But since it was different players who like really showed up, they're going to have to figure out how to deal with them defensively because we all know if Skriniar starts, he's not good in the back three. We know that even though Bastoni is good, he isn't like at that level yet. And we all know DeVry is pretty much single-handedly right now carrying the defense, and he can't do it all himself. So I think tactically you need to put a good old-fashioned four at the back and have the duo of Skriniar and DeVry in the center like they used to back when Luciano Spalletti was there. Because if they do not have those back four, it could be a problem, especially with how strong of an attack Shakhtar put on in their match. So they need to, like, just, like, I wouldn't be mad if they used, like, a 4-3-3, but we all know Conte, he probably won't change for Adam. Okay, fair. So let me just play devil devil as advocate here. So you 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 want the the four in the back because I mean you've been asking for this for a while. But could it could I not make the argument that the defensive midfield actually kind of operates as a security blanket for the back three? So shouldn't couldn't you say that the defensive midfield is almost more important in this game? Than the back because if if you can't if they can't I mean they're fast they're quick they're disciplined but with all that being said if they can't get into the back as frequently as they did against Basel then does it does it not pinpoint the defensive midfield as the the, the way you would try to dictate the game I think so yes so in that how would you play. I mean, if it's Conte's obviously going to play with three at the back because that's just the way he plays. But what what team, what midfielders would you go with in this particular game, given what we know about how athletic and they they don't may, may not have superstars, but I can tell you this one this there's this is the thing about Shakhtar, they're athletic, they're quick, they're fast, and you make a mistake, you're basically have you know it's like a track meet because all of their players are they maybe not have the most technical players but they're super athletic so 
with that being said, what kind of defensive midfield do you think would work best against a team like Shakhtar who just basically runs and, and goes forward all the time? Are we talking a little, like, about specific players or are we talking like the formation in general? Um, either. You, you can talk about specific players. You can talk about how – because, you know, the formation is the formation, but how the formation looks when they play is different. So, for example, would you have – I'm just going to give you an example. Would you have, like uh, – I don't know if whoever plays underneath Lukaku Martinez, would you have Christian Eriksen, for example, or whoever plays there, drop, drop back in a more of a, a, a support role rather than – than just cutting forward because if you do this you're basically going it's it's basically going to be a a tug of war battle where you're looking for low scoring and do that or would you still you know have them flow forward because the problem is that i see is they're so quick and fast that if they break through the defensive midfield it doesn't matter if they got four back there because they have guys who really athletic, like I said, who have great passing ability, who can really make a difference. And like we've discussed, if if they break in the first ten minutes, then Inter are already behind. And I just want to I just want to remind everyone, it took um, Shakhtar one minute and thirty nine seconds to score against Basel. And Basel may not be the greatest team in the world, but the the, de- the defensive strengths of Basel and Inter. And I just think they're not that different. Basel's a good defensive team typically, and they rip them apart. So my, my, my main question here is, what is the best way for Inter to sort of, I don't know, I don't know how to put it, to, to limit? Because we know they're quick and fast. And because of that, there can't be mistakes. And you have to, the way they play is going to be really important because you don't want to start one nil down after five minutes. So what's the best shape? for Inter to go with to eliminate sort of that kind of threat. That's going to be the difficult part, but I would say at least do a 4-3-3. I mean, at least I could do formation because at least you have the extra midfielders there to, like, help out, I guess, if needed. But you need to have, like, a good midfield and a good defense because – they're going to come at us quick and often. I've watched those highlights. I'm like, holy Toledo, this team is going to be unstoppable, is going to be difficult to beat. And then whoever gets to the final, and if we're able to beat them, which I hope we do, because I know even though we all say, oh, you always say, poor me, you finished fourth two years in a row, you finished second this year, and you got Champions League, but I want a title. I. Different. But we all know. But don't don't you see the flaw with the four three three though? And this is my point of view, because in your formation you have wing backs on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Ashley Young and whoever's on the other side who who go forward but also come back to court. And in the mid, you have at least two defensive midfielders. If you play four three three, you're playing. Let's for example, you'd put Erickson up top, right? And it'd be Erickson, Martinez, and Lukaku. Um, and then you would have your back for probably uh, Godin, um, Bastoni, um, Grignard, and DeVry. So in the, in the midsection, you don't have a lot of support. So the problem with this is, and feel free to say what you want, but is what if they cut through the defensive midfield easily? 
then even though Inter have four back four but four guys back there, they're going to be constantly under duress because the midfield the, the midfield the central part is too thin. They'll cut through. So, what, what do you what would you say about that? You actually make a valid point. At this point, I the only other option is it, you stick. We stick with what we have and have like the five in the midfield. And then you wanted to throw Ashley Young and D'Ambrosio currently like play like a, a wing back, right? Where they can play attack or defensive depending on the situation, right? Right. Because just hear me out here. So if you play without that, if you play in that 4 3 3 formation, Ashley Young and um, D'Ambrosio aren't involved. Because if you're playing 4 3 3, you need three guys who push, right? So you, because if you play, if you play Ashley Young on on the left, it would be him playing left midfielder, not left wing back. So a left midfielder's job is to push forward, support a little bit, but push forward. So if if you change the formation, those guys come out of the lineup, and you're probably playing with um, a Barella, um, um, uh, Bronzogovic, and Kondreva. And I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but the way I see it, and, and we're just sort of spitballing about this, but but think about what their biggest strengths are. They're, they they might c- come forward, and they might be um, they might be exposed in the back, but they're gonna come. They're gonna push forward, right? So if that's the case, you need to eliminate as much as possible, and maybe. I'm not saying just disregard a back four, but the, I think the four three three kind of goes into their strength, wouldn't you say? I actually agree with you. So, all right. So, 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 but you you want four in the back, right? You know what? I'm actually going to change my answer if that's okay. Hold on, one, one, one more, one more quick point, and let me give you another option. Okay. You could play. You could play four four two, right? Right. You would play, but you'd have four in the midfield. You'd have your two up there. You could still technically play Ashley Young and Ambrosio's wingbacks on on each side. That, but that means probably you don't play with Kondreva. And I don't know how you feel about that. And it would be like Erickson and either Barella or um, Bronzogovic. So you're losing some of the players that you would normally have in there wouldn't be in there, but you would at least have a little bit more security there. But I'm I'm just giving you some options here because four three three sounds like something that they would like for you to play. You know what I mean? Right. But that actually the four four two would actually make sense too. So, well, I'm just we're just speaking in hypotheticals because we all know that it's probably going to be the three five two, which is classic Conte, unless we he changes it up where it's been like a three. Four one two. I think he's been using also depending on the situation. So, it that that might that might be okay though. Yeah, because you still have your wing backs. You still have defensive mid. You don't have much attack in the same way. Or he can play his normal three five two, but I don't think he can play Erickson because Erickson is a, a by definition of attacking midfielder. So I think the option is playing. It sucks though because if Alexis Sanchez isn't there, because. This role in particular would be great for Alexis Sanchez because he's so quick. If he could play underneath 
you know, um, Martinez and Lukaku. Oh my gosh, and that would be of, that would be epic. You get what I'm saying though. So instead of pushing forward, obviously that's his job, but he has the speed to, to come back. And what I'm suggesting is completely unorthodox, but given this, because my thing is when I look at this game and when I watch the last few games against, um, I forgot who you played before, Getafe and um, and Bayer Leverkusen, and then you watch Shakhtar, they come for your throat like as soon as the whistle blows. So with that being said, you you you'd need a piece if you're going to play the same formation that is willing to to drop back and help defensively, because what you need to do if they play that way is you need to catch them slipping. And we talked about this. What what is what does Shakhtar not do? Makes mistakes, right? right? So a team that limits mistakes, but at least you would have that piece that you could go in between. And I'm not I'm not as familiar with the entire roster as you are. But it would just be dangerous to play Erickson in a very attacking-minded formation. Um, so anyway, sorry. I know we're just kind of going off the wall here. But um, so w- now that we sort of have all the options, what would be the best formation for you guys to play that goes into their strengths a little bit? Okay, I think we would have to stick with a 3-5-2 at this point because the wing backs depending on what is needed from them at the time. They could be either an attacking role or a defensive role if we needed them to, like, fall back a little bit to help with the defense. Mm-hmm. So I think, in essence, the three-five-two would kind of be more conducive. And, I, I mean, in certain matches, it hasn't been ideal. But, I mean, it has worked a good chunk of the season, which I actually am going to shut up Conte. I don't give you enough credit, even though there's times where I'm like, I think, what the heck are you doing? But I kind of understand some of his tactics at this point, because if you... No, we, we, get, we get the tactics. The things that you and I always criticize him about is his inability to adjust in certain situations. For example, it made zero sense to play that formation against Roma, because... That's the type of team Roma beat with that setup, right? So when you could see that early and in that game, Bastoni was just being – I felt bad for the kid. He was being destroyed every every single time Mkhitaryan just came down. So our issue with him isn't the formation itself. It's it's not adapting when it's when it seems that it needs to be adapted. Yeah. But anyway, go, continue. Yeah, it's like the – like the, I think the substitutions even will be critical – like, you cannot take off, like, say if we need a goal in the, like, early stages of the second half, you cannot take Lukaku off. You cannot take Martinez off when the goals are critical. Like, we've seen him, we know how we've seen Conte. Um, he is known, notorious for making substitutions at the wrong time, especially when goals are critical to get those points. So... Even seeing how he does the substitutions is going to play a role into this match, too. All right, so that just brings me into my next point. What player that that will not start the game would you like to have on the bench? And obviously, Alexis would be the perfect option here, but he's not going to be there. I mean, he might be there, but he's not playing. Right, poor Um, thing. I I feel bad for him, by the way, because he is, like, an amazing player. So it's like... He just gets hurt too much. Agreed. Bubble Um, wrap. Anyway... So, so, 
here's here's the big thing we have to basically figure out here is what is what formation we, we figure out the formation you want to play basically the same thing the other thing is what sub are you going to keep off on out of the lineup on the bench for those situations oh because just just think of the lineup so not, not necessarily this lineup doesn't necessarily include Kondreva, doesn't necessarily include Erickson. It doesn't necessarily – I mean, I would say doesn't necessarily include Ashley Young, but I think not starting Ashley Young would be um, idiotic. So if there's one player that I know is starting, it has to be – I'm obviously the goalie, Lukaku Martinez, and Ashley Young because this is, this is why I think this is important because Ashley Young – if he played for Shakhtar, would fit right in. The reason is he's so athletic. I mean, he's old, but he's athletic for someone that's 34 years old, and he's fast. So, like, he would be a perfect Shakhtar player based on the way they play. So the only way to count that is having them in there. So just think of all the lineup you have. Who, who would you put on the bench? Because you're going to need someone off the bench to score a goal. Because I don't think this game is going to be as close uh, as lopsided as everyone's saying. So first and foremost, I'm gonna follow this up with a question: What are the who's what are they saying the score is gonna be? I'm. I think most people that I've seen um, are saying like a three-one, four-two kind of thing. For who? Um, who I, wins? For Inter. Inter's Inter's heavily, heavily favored. If you put a hundred dollars for Inter to win, you wouldn't make any money. For example. I mean. So, all the betting goes in Inter's direction. Everybody's basically picking um, Inter. But, but a lot of people I'm talking to are saying it, it should be like a 3-1-4-1 victory. And I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think because I don't think enough people are watching Shakhtar to really know what they're, what they're getting into. You know what I mean? So let's see. Who, like, who would I like keep on the bench for that critical goal if we needed it? So, yeah, here's, a, here's an important part. Some, you're going to take – a starter that's probably not that you probably start regularly to keep on the bench in those situations because of the injury situation you don't have certain parts right right so if Alexis plays that's 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 what you're doing there but because he's not playing you need a really we you need someone off the bench who can get a goal so that basically eliminates anybody I would say maybe Victor Mo- – I mean, I'm not going to speak for you. Victor Moses is someone who can change a game, for example. But uh, most of the d- defensive midfielders are probably going to play. So it would be ha- it'd have to be like an attacking player. So I don't know. Who, who would you think, based on the, the players that you have, that makes sense for? I mean, he hasn't scored much, but depending on the situation, if he can't step up, Erickson is a good choice. So you would play – you'd have Erickson – yeah, actually, that's a good call because my thing was either Kondreva or Erickson. So, yeah. So, it would have to be – you would have to play if, – if that's the, the way you're going to go about it. You maybe push Barella. I don't know, though. He's, he's really defensive. Um, maybe you push Barella, Barella and Brunzogovic up a little bit in the way they play. And that maybe opens up space so you don't have to play Erickson. The point here is you're going to need one of those key pieces um, off the bench because if, if they're down 2-1 in the second half and you need a goal to keep this thing going, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Right. You get what I'm saying? All right. So here's – I got a few more things on this and then we'll move on to some other things. Um, 
So obviously we, we know that, as I've said, like a zillion times already, Shakhtar is really quick, fast, athletic, well-coached. They don't make mistakes. They're disciplined. Um, so how much do you think the possession that Inter get is going to play into how they play tomorrow night? Well, I've never been asked a possession type question before, so this is the first so, time. Do you need me to explain it a little bit? Yeah. Okay. So um, you you and I watched PSG Alanta together, right? Yes. Remember a few days ago? How much possession did Alanta have in that game? Barely any at all. So what what how did that game go? Atlanta scored scored that first goal, and then what happened? What what followed that? They fell apart because they couldn't attack. Right. Right. They were they were so PSG had possession the whole game. They Alanta had one moment and crushed it, and we were all cheering for them and wanted them to do all, all that stuff. But PSG came through and. I know it's hard to, to, to try to make a comparison when you're you're talking about a team that has Neymar and Mbappe, but PSG had most possession. They had more chances. They had everything, and they controlled the game. Say say what you want to say. PSG was the better team in that game. Atlanta just scored that goal and held on for dear life. So based on how we how you saw that game, and that's a Champions League game, so it's a little different. But what was what was the impact? Think about you don't have to answer this, but think about the impact of PSG having the possession. They were in the game the entire game because of possession, and they created very little. Atlanta created very little after the goal. So think about this in this perspective. So just think, think of this upcoming game and what could be the ramifications or impact of inter-controlling possession versus – because if it's down the middle, and if it's down the middle, I think it favors Shakhtar because they can get on a counterattack whenever. And it may not be that important anyway because they can get on a counterattack even if they have 39% possession. So just based on everything I said, what do you think the impact or what do you think the possession – the possessional impact of Inter having a lot or having very little does to the game? I think it'll have a big deal to do with it. I mean, especially in matches where, um, like, one of the issues that I've noticed lately, well, not necessarily noticed, um, against some teams, Inter struggle to maintain possession in the opposing team's half. So, Getting a hold of that possession and staying in the opposing team's half as much as possible is going to be imperative because we all know. Well, I've just like I've just seen the whole entire Shakhtar highlights. I'm like, if they get the hold of the ball, it's going to be pretty much game over for Inter because they're strong on the counterattacks. They're good at controlling the ball in. They're opposed the opposing half of the field, so it's like they're a very well-rounded team, which scares the heck out of me, to be honest. Because think about this: what if Shakhtar is it's a sixty-forty in Shakhtar's possession, a team that can hit on the counterattack whenever? You you see what I'm saying here? So I think it's really important that Inter at least have some advantage. Like, ideally, you would want major advantage in possession. And not, not like 70, because that's unrealistic, but like 65-something. If you have 60% possession, I think it heavily goes into Inter's favor. But still, we know that Shakhtar can break on the attack 
whenever they feel like it. And Inter are a better team all around regardless. Top to bottom, they're better. But the way Shakhtar plays doesn't go against the way Inter plays. It's, it's sort of like a weakness thing. And this was my whole thing about earlier when I said I wanted Getafe to get knocked out early in case Roma have to meet them some, at some point. And this is another thing. Roma's the better team than Getafe, but Getafe plays a certain way that, that's bad for Roma. Shakhtar plays a certain way that's bad for Inter. So, with all that, <laughs> um, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but so you, you, do, you do see the possession being a major implication. So what happens, what happens if, if it, you think happens if it's a more or less even down the middle possession-wise? I think it would end up favoring Shakhtar in a way because, like you just, you, like you just recently said, they can break on the counterattack so whenever the heck they feel like it, and it, it doesn't phase them. So if they're able to like build those strong counterattacks, Inter are going to have issues, especially if they can't play well defensively. So the possession is definitely going to be one of those critical things for Inter at this point. For sure. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you these two different questions and then you answer them however you feel. And then I'm going to talk about some other stuff and then we'll come back to this at the end to go in a little deeper. Um, so tomorrow, Tuesday morning, the, the, you know, the BBC Shakhtar beats Inter. Why did they win? So what I'm basically asking is if they win, what will be the reason? If the reason why if Shakhtar win. Yeah. Um, so Tuesday morning, the paper's out. Shakhtar beats Inter. If someone, if if you didn't watch the game, based on what you know about the two teams, what would you think would be the reason why they won the game? Um, I think one of the reasons would be is that they were really, I would say, better composed and they're more organized in the way they play. If that makes sense. Okay. That's cool. Now, let's flip it the other way. Inter Milan get to the final. You didn't watch the game. You just see the headline. What did you, what based on what you know? What would you think happened? Would have needed to happen for that to 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 be the case? Lukaku hat trick. <laughs> but no, seriously. Yeah, that. No, I, yeah, I know Lukaku's key, but just collectively, what do you think? How does Inter need to play to, to win win it? I would say, Inter. I would say Inter's defense held strong, and. A critical this critical situation, and it caused them to win. All right, now I, I got one more question on this. So, we just saw Sevilla make the final again. Surprise, surprise to no one. Right. Um, apart from Man United fans who really thought they were gonna whatever. I'm not gonna get into that. But I'm not mentioning names, but we all know who. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I have several friends, so I'm not. I'm not even signaling anybody out. Um, so, is it is it fair to say? So, obviously, Inter are going to be focused on winning this game, but getting past Shakhtar based on the way they play, would that not be a little bit in sort of favored into what they'll need against Sevilla? And I'm, I know I'm, I'm kind of stepping ahead of myself, but don't doesn't Shakhtar remind you of Sevilla a little bit? Yes. So I think the mentality, and I, it shouldn't be this way, but you know, if they can beat Shakhtar this week or tomorrow, 
does that not show at does that not i think sorry i'm not i'm not phrasing this right but is it not like if they can sort of this mentality if we can beat Shakhtar, we can win the whole thing because sevilla is proven winners in this competition but take that away just look at the the the, the um the, the way they play to not today but the way they play generally and the way Shakhtar play generally i think it's kind of similar would you say i agree so if you if you beat Shakhtar, will you feel confident going into the final definitely especially since Shakhtar and Sevilla are pretty much really well composed teams like even I think if Shakhtar drops like 1-0 or whatever like we saw with Sevilla I know they they are capable of coming back from that losing situation whereas Inter if those first 10 minutes are 10 15 minutes are critical because if they drop against an organized team like Shakhtar, it'll be pretty much lights out because especially with what they we've seen against them against Basel. So, I mean, yeah, I think it comes so this, yeah, it comes, so go ahead. So, I think if we beat Shakhtar and stuff, especially since they're a team that's well composed, it kind of gives me more like optimism going into a match against Sevilla who are pretty much like on the same level, in my opinion, to Shakhtar. I think, yeah, I think it comes down to ball movement because they're quick. They, 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 they communicate really fast. Um, so I got, I got two more questions on this and then I'm going to talk about some other interesting stuff. So given you, you, you've talked about how important it is that, that their defense stands firm against a team like Shakhtar, who can make things un- uncomfortable for a team like Inter, who are favorites for this. But even if they're favorites, Shakhtar can beat them. I think we all agree that that can happen. Um, where I don't think that can happen if it was Basel, just for example. Um, so is it – would you call it – a? because I'm assuming in your ideal um, formation you would want – Bastoni, Scrignar, or Bastoni, Scrignar, and DeVry. Would that be your your three picks if you were build it, if you wanted that in your back three? Pretty much, because everybody knows that Godin is not that great of a defender, so I would not want him on the formation. You're right. Now, she doesn't mean Atletico Madrid, <laughs> Godin. But so, don't wouldn't you say though, given the inexperience of Bastoni? that it is maybe a calculated risk to start him. And I'm not saying he shouldn't play, but I'm saying doesn't starting a 20-year-old kid who – and I love Bastoni, but when he's come up against big teams, he struggled. Um, you look at the Roma game, you look at the Atlanta game, even though they won that, there, there's, there's been big games this season where he's – not that he's going to have a reputation of coming small – he just doesn't have the mentality yet to sort of be able to show out in those games. So because of his experience in Europe and I, whatever you say about Godin, he's won, you know, big, big trophies. He's won this trophy. He has the experience and he knows what to do and handle these situations. Two years ago, he was the reason Portugal got knocked out of the World Cup. He put Cristiano Ronaldo in his pocket and he did nothing. And this might be a few years ago, but... Wouldn't you say it's a little bit of a risk to start Bastoni, especially in a game like this? Because what if 
Uh, Tazon hits a beautiful ball to one of his guys, and he scores. And Bastoni is just getting ripped. He gets ripped to shreds in the opening play, on open play, and then you have a problem. So anyway, so I know that was a long that was a long question, but you get what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Well, would you say? Okay, so do you, would you say that it's it's a risk to start him? I do think it's a slight risk, but I of course have no control over who the heck Conte plays tomorrow. So I mean, it is a risk, but we as usual, right? Unless they like figure out to move. D'Ambrosio back to the defense, which I know for the first few years as an Inter supporter, he played in the defensive role. But who knows how things are going to line up? I, I no, 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 this is all hypothetical. But let me ask you this: if you if you had control of the lineup tomorrow, um, tomorrow, would you would you start um, D'Ambrosio over Bastoni given the situation? Would I start who? Um, D'Ambrosio over Bastoni. Definitely. Okay, I think that's fair because, I don't know, if I'm Tazan and the boys in the midfield, that's the player I'm going at. Like, because you know, you know how attackers are. Right. They you go know, for the weak blood. It's not like, it's not like they're going to single him out necessarily, but you just know if someone has a weakness on a certain place, they, they exploit that. So, just to give you an example, Joe Hart, when he came to Torino many years ago, a few years ago, um, the players would shoot to his left, even if the right part of the net was wide open. Because he was weak on his left, that's where they got him. So, equally for, for the Shakhtar boys, Bastoni is inexperienced, and we, he has proven with pace in a defensive area that he can get suffocated. So I think mentally just the best uh, Tazon and, and the midfield could just go at him. And the problem with starting him out of the gate is just one thing can happen. One nil Shakhtar after six minutes and then enter like, oh, crap, we have to catch up now. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I really hope that Conte is smart about this, especially we all know that these teams will probably be watching the highlight footage and or, and we're watching the match, trying to dissect where these teams are going to, like, attack. And so hopefully Conte gets smart and actually plays, like, D'Ambrosio in the back three versus Bestoni just to give us the experience in the back line, which it would be critical. All right. All right. Fine. That's good. Um, I'm going to talk a little transfer stuff. Um, just a few things. And then at the end, we'll come back to this again. And I, I'm going to ask for a prediction and I'll make my prediction as well. Um, well, okay. One more thing, actually, one more thing. Does, does it go past 90 minutes in your, in your, in your um, mind? Will we see extra time with this in this game? So let's see. So the question was, does it get past 90 minutes? So after 90 minutes, is it going to be forced or is, is the game going to have to continue to go on? I think it'll... And I know, okay, I got I know this. this isn't, right, okay. Go okay, ahead. I think it'll just be the full 90 minutes. And, of course, any injury time or stoppage time, whatever the heck you want to call it. I think it'll just pretty much stay in the 90-minute parameters. So it won't go past 90 minutes? I don't think it will. All right, fair enough. 
All right. So obviously, uh, you don't know this player particularly great, but um, feel, I'm I'm just gonna let because if you don't know, ask me anything about this player, and I'll give you the answer just to to help you sort of be able to figure. Okay, out. I know who you're gonna talk about. But I forgot to watch the highlight footage. Okay. All right. So just just ask me. Just feel free to ask me stuff. Okay. Um, so here's here's what's going on with that. So Kambula, who plays for Verona, we know he's already agreed on personal terms. They're trying to go negotiate with Verona. Um, the the deal is they and Verona want two young interplayers. I don't know. I don't know who they're talking about. But given the situation and given their need in that position and. Skriniar is probably being sold, I would guess. Would it? Do you think it'd be worth sacrificing two youngsters who we don't know are going to be good for someone who's in their same age bracket, doing sort of in in a position that they need? Do you think that would be a fair deal, or would you push back on that? And, and again, if you don't know shit, just start. If you don't know stuff, or you want my point of view on him or feel free to ask um i definitely think well from what i've seen and if i remember he plays for verona correct yeah he scored the first goal i think on, on a corner yeah in that game so based on what i've seen of kabula just even though that was just the one match i think it would be a good sacrifice to sacrifice two youngsters for somebody who's in that same age bracket and has that experience and who is like proving himself to be a valuable player. So I think it would be huge to have somebody like him on the team, especially now that we're also getting a uh, Hakimi and yep. Tenali. And, yep. and so based on what, the, the players that Conte is going after, I know there's a, I think this is kind of like a small rebuild, just getting new, like fresh new players. And then hopefully possibly selling some of the dead wood. I think it's more of like a reload than a rebuild because you finished second last season. Sure. So, all right. Um, all right. Let me, let me, let me make your brain mush even more. Oh, please, would, please give me a minute. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, so, what if one of those players is Espedito? Oh. You have to take this into account. Lukaku is not old. No, he's not. And so that position, that part of the, the strike force is, is very much, you know, locked up, right? Right. If you, if you sell Martinez, you're getting – and I just for the record, I don't think he leaves next season. So, he's at least there another season. So you're getting a wad of cash if he leaves the year after. And what the what is the cash going to be used probably for? His position, right? Right. So I, he's really talented, and it's possible you're looking at a Zaniolo situation. I think it's possible. I don't know. I haven't seen enough to really make that distinction, but no one thought Zaniolo was going to be that either. Right. So, so all things considered – is that do you th- and obviously you need someone in his position who has qualities. So with all that going on, is it still worth the you know the swap? It's hard to say. I really haven't seen much from Esposito, but of course we may have the possibility where it's another Zinolo story because we all weren't expecting that him to like flourish like he did. Um, no, I I thought I thought Zinolo was gonna be playing with the under 19s the first year we had him. 
I had no idea he was actually going to play at all. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind the swap, even though that there will still be a part of me that wonders, like, what if? All right. If- All right, so I got another one for you. Um, Byron, Byron Munich have no interest in letting Pirisic go. So they're going to they're going to um, sorry, they're going to they're going to activate his purchase clause, which is at 20 million. Um, so I got two questions about that. One, do you think they mishandled the price tag that they put up attached to the deal? And two, do you think Inter, I don't know how to put this, misused him? And if, if they had not, if they had been, if he, if he had been given opportunities this season, we could be looking at a different champion, potentially. Um, how much is the price tag? Uh, all right, let's, let's put it this way. If this, this last season, when he left to buy me, what would you say his value was going into this transfer market? Not this one, but the one that just passed last summer. I would say at least $40 million. All right. So the deal with Pirisic is he, his, his Bayern Munich purchase option is at $20 million. Just to give you some perspective. Oh, geez. Wow. Um, I think that's a – I mean, for his buyout, I think that's a little low. But, I mean, with what he's done for Bayern – it is definitely worth them the twenty million because I'm not gonna be mad at getting money. So no, no, that that no, that's that's the part of it that I'm I'm sort of like reading to, is Bayern Munich. It, it to me it appears they just basically robbed your bank. So look, my question is about that is, do you think they should basically should should Conte have given him a chance in this team? Because we've talking about before, Inter don't have great wingers. That's why they had to change the formation to put wingbacks in there because their wing options are so small and so not impressive that they had to change the formation in which they don't have to use as many as, you know, as they would otherwise. So given the fact, if it pierces days, what – anyway, the basic question is what would have been the impact of him staying in? Did Conte mess this one up? I would have to say – even if we had gone with like something where wingers would be needed, there's like I said, there's not that many great options. And Perisic has the like strong winger would have to take the brunt of that responsibility. So I think it was good to send him out on the loan and have him being utilized in a team that's actually using him properly. So. All right, let me let me ask you this then. Acardi and Bo- Pierceage both went out the door. Now that they've gone, they've been gone. What? Who was more? And I know Acardi is one of the best strikers we've had in this league in a long time. But who was who's more valuable to enter now that they're gone? I would definitely say Acardi. Lukaku scored how many goals this season? Twenty. Thirty. Thirty-one. Wow, really? So, so does. And I'm I'm just playing devil advocate over here. Doesn't it say something though that he left and his replacement scored his range of goals in all comps as a card he did? Yeah, you're right. right. What? You're right. Okay. 
No, if if, if you think a card is better, more valuable, I think he's better. Just not more valuable for me. But again, I'm <laughs> so I'm just asking the questions here. Um, Don't worry, gen- right, ladies and gentlemen. We're just shooting here tonight, so. Sorry, I just came up with a bunch of the top. Of my- I'm going to go look at my questions. Just give me a minute. How do you rate Inter's transfer business so far? And of the signings that have been done so far, which one do you think will be the most important next season? I think they are doing a great job this transfer window, bringing in Hakimi and now Kumbula and Tenali. Um, In regards to so far who is going to be like the more, I guess, important like standout next season for the club? I really don't know. All right. Hold on. Just give me a second. All right. Uh, let me let me try to make this. So, Hakimi plays left back. He, he, he pushes forward, has more offensive skills than anybody in that area, but also can push back defend. Janali is a defensive midfielder play, who will probably play alongside Barella. Um, and then Kambula is another center back. So based on if you get the best out of all these things, right? So if Tanali is incredible, does is doing the job perfectly. If um, what do you call it? Um, if Hakimi is the best left back in the whole league, and uh, Kambula looks like the next big star of um, where's he from? Um, Al- Albania. So if all these players are at their very best. Which is the most – which do you think will be the most um, crucial? I really actually have no response for that, to be honest with you. All right. Just, okay. That's fine. Obviously, with um, Pilro going to Juventus um, this next season, um, it just looks like a rebuilding situation. Um, for them, at least over the next couple of years. You know, I could be wrong. They could be great. But given that situation, um, I wouldn't say they're out of the title race, but I don't think they go into next season as one of the favorites. So Inter are probably, you know, number one favorites going into next season. Of, of the options out there, um, who has the biggest threat to the title race next season for Inter? So, like, who's going to be the player that really, like, takes us no, there? No, um, not you guys. So, Inter Milan are going to be are going to be favorites going to next okay. season. Would you agree with that? Yes. The, okay. So, of, of the other teams that are going to try to fight for the title, which, which team is the biggest threat for Inter not winning next season? So, for example. Okay, Napoli. If, okay, why? Um, Napoli, even though they didn't have a great season this past year, um, they are still a team that has been known for contending with, for the title in the past few seasons. And, but they've of course fallen short. 
but they are, like I said, they are still known for contending for the title, and they have a great team. They have a great coach, and it just was unfortunate to see that they fell the way they did this season, but of course, certain t- in certain seasons, teams are not going to What's the word I'm look, looking for? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but some teams do end up falling back at times. So, I mean, that could, probably could have explained it. I really don't know where the heck I'm going with this. But <laughs> All right. So, so okay. If, if, and this is an F because there's more than one team – wanting his services. But if they get Boga from Sosualo, and, I mean, he's just a can't-miss player. If they're able to pull off that deal, along with the, the striker they bought, along with the um, uh, a defender they just got, and um, the left back for Sevilla that we saw today. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Played on the left. They're also interested in him. If they sign, and I, I'm going to butcher his name, um, I, I even forgot his first name. Uh, it's like Religiano or something, something like that. I don't know. If they sign him and Boga, does that? Would you say that Napoli that would make Napoli favorites ahead of you if those things occur? Yes. So let me ask you this: Would you rather? Um, I know. Would you? Would you rather Inter Milan? Being going into next season with favorites and loaded, or would you rather be the pre- have? I mean, the pressure is going to be on you regardless. Would you rather the pressure? Would would you rather be Napoli, who are the ones that everyone's saying is going to win it, and the, the pressure lies with them? As an Inter fan and as as someone who's wanted to see this team grow, what do you think is the best situation out of those things? And all of this is just hypothetical stuff. For all we know. Uh, Sam Doria could win the title. Yeah. No, they're not going to win the title. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I get it. We don't. We don't know how this is going to un- un- unveil. So, with all that being said, would you would you rather be the favorites or have Napoli be the favorites, and why? Ooh, that's a good one. I would say I would rather have. Napoli be the favorites just because it would take the pressure a little bit of the pressure off Inter. So, but even though the pressure would still be there, it wouldn't be as, like, I guess, massive, if you will. Um, so it would give a little bit more leeway to, like, say, okay, we can actually contend for the title, but we not everybody's gonna be like. Focusing solely on us, it's going to be like on these this other team. I don't, right, I don't, that's fair. I don't know if this is making sense. I'm like, no, I'm saying, but would it not be better to have more pressure? And I know that sounds weird, but let me explain. If you're the favorite, I mean, obviously you're the hunted. Actually, no, Juventus is kind of still the hunted because they just won. Um, and, um, yeah, you're going to be the hunter regardless because you're the only left team left in Europe uh, from Italy, and you, all, you are the team that has been loading up on talent. So if you're not the favorites, if, you're not the, if there's not as much pressure, 
you're you're likely, I would say, to not. Um, I don't know what I'm saying here. Um, it's it's likely that you would not have you again. You know, games that that teams shouldn't drop, but they drop anyway. Right. If you're the favorites, and everyone's going for you, you wouldn't have that luxury. Right. So would would it not at least make sense a little bit to be favorites just because if you're second favorites, occasionally you can drop a game. When you're favorites, you're going to feel the need and pressure to continue. And this just brings me into my next thing. So we saw the season. Everything happened the way it happened. And you had that momentum. You were one of the favorites, and then you just collapsed. So I'm going to ask you the opposite question in a second here. What's been the biggest disappointment with Inter Milan um, this last season? Oh, geez. Um, Like, what was our downfall? Yeah. Um, so, for example, I, I'll give you an example. I think I for have me, it. For Rome, oh, go, go ahead. Um, I think it was just, like, some of the situations where substitutions were made at the wrong time, like taking Martinez off in, like, the 60th minute when we needed, like, critical goal that could have sent us to, like, getting those points. So I think the substitutions in general – and just the way that Conte handled like the uh, certain situations kind of like led to the like, the demise of Inter this season. If Conte had actually played um, more like more smart, I guess that like oh, that's fair. so, I think that might have been like the reason because I mean Inter could have had some of these points won if those substitutions weren't made at the wrong time. So, all right, now I'm gonna ask you. I'm now let's go the opposite. What's been the best moment this season? It it can be team, it can be individual, it can be Lukaku. Uh, uh, go, go, explain. Just give some context. Okay, Lukaku. Uh. I'm going to give respect where it's deserved now because I... Wait, before you, before, you do that, before you do that, what was what was your expectations of Lukaku when Lucardi went out last summer? I... And then, then you... I, then just explain. Okay. My expectations is that he wasn't going to do as great. Um, I thought he was going to be... It would be... A, he'll be a little slow to acclimate into the team and stuff. But then now, in hindsight... He was the, I, in my honest opinion, besides Devry, he was the top player for the team, going out and scoring thirty plus goals in all competitions, which is huge. Um, he, he he not only did he score like those goals, but he also assisted and like many others. So it's like he has become like a player that I kind of slept on, if you will. So mm-hmm. it's. I think he was like the reason why Inter did as good as they did. All right, let me ask you this. So obviously we have the, the awards. If and obviously you and I are pretty similar on how we would have ranked the best players this year. If we were to rank the the best players, where would you have put him this season? So where would I So like are we doing a top what? Uh, to say, okay, let me ask you this. He would be in your top 10, correct? Yes. Would he have been in your top five? I would say maybe number four. 
All right. So just just walk me through it. So where would you have ranked them? Okay, four. You just answered it. How would you have ranked the top um, five? Uh, I know we weren't playing this, but I was just um, just just I'm just curious. That's all. I would have said Dabala. Fair. Um, Immobile. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo. Lukaku. And then, and then Who do we always talk about from Atlanta? And Zapata. Actually that's not what I was gonna say. Well Oh wait, I know I know Papu Gomez. Would you, I'm I'm just giving you options. Would you take Papu Gomez there or Zapata? Papu Gomez. Alright. Okay. Um all right, so um, let's see. I got a few more questions, and then uh, we're going to retrace back um, and then wrap up. Uh, let's see here. Um, you've just started watching the Champions League for the first time, slash Europa League. Um, my question is, how has that been so far? What, what have you liked? What have you found different than – right? Like, basically, what, are the diff- what differences have you seen just from a viewer perspective from – the domestic season that you've seen the last five years and a Champions League games that you can actually watch. Okay. Has a viewer now, it's kind of like things that are kind of different is, of course, how, how the things are set up. In the league, it's self-explanatory. You have your league title. Then you also have the Domestic Cup, which is the Copa Italia which is basically like a tournament type thing, which is like a knockout type thing and throughout the whole season until you get down to the final two. Um, so it's like different because you also have like the World Cup vibes. You have to go through the group stages and then you have to, once you advance out of the group stages, you do like the World Cup knockoffs with the exception of it's two legs and I, instead of one, I think, like the World Cup is. Mm-hmm. So that's like pretty much the only difference. It's just the two. It's two legs instead of the one, like you would see in the World Cup. Um, no, 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 no. I, what I mean is, the, watching the champion is just different than watching Inter versus Roma at the Stadio Olimpico. What differences from domestic football and Champions League football have you have you noticed? That's all. Um, I've noticed like the different styles of play, like throughout the different countries. Um, you see some teams are more of a defensive team where others are more like strictly attack. Some are like more well-rounded depending on the like team and stuff. So it's just fun to watch all like the different types of like football that can be played throughout the world. So it's kind of like fun watching like the smorgasbord, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that now, here's my follow-up. You constantly badger, well, not badgered, but kept on saying over and over again how you needed, you, you had, Inter had to finish, you know, whatever, second instead of third or third instead of fourth. Now that, you, now that you've seen the Champions League and what it provides you, I mean, if you don't win the league and you're in the title race, do you really value one place versus the other? If it does the same thing, because because before you were saying this stuff, you'd never seen champions like this. Now that you've seen the Champions League, 
does it does it change your perspective on on that thing yes so so you would say that now you value you the like if you don't win the league it's not about you don't you don't feel so dependent on ranking pretty much but i mean we all know some for me just even a small improvement in finishing is like huge but and but to fully answer your question it is definitely like it doesn't really matter where you finish in the second third and fourth when they all do the same thing and in that aspect right no for sure now i just want to say one thing about that improvement doesn't necessarily mean more points improvement can mean multiple things right right so improvement can mean if if you you had what 83 points this year right uh, I think so. 82, 83 points, right? If next season, for example, Inter win the title, or not, let's, 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 for example, that's a bad example, are in the title race until the last day of the season, but have 79 points or 81 points, you can, you can see that as sort of improvement as well. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. Uh, let me just check my questions again. Um, and see if I missed anything. All right, what what do you think Conte's? I mean, we kind of talked about. It. What do you think? What do you think Conte's biggest strength is? Because you've already kind of said what his weakness is. I would have to. Say, like, who to put in the starting lineup, I guess. I mean, yeah, there are times where I question it sometimes, but. He, so his personnel? Yeah. All right. Um, so let me ask you this Who's the best manager, in your opinion, that Inter have had the last five years? Oh. It's kind of hard to say because I really didn't get to experience much with the first manager. Um, okay, take him out, take, take out. Um, you saw Pioli though, right? Barely. No, it was the year before Spalletti. Okay, then, okay. I've only saw a little bit of him. You guys saw one, one season of him. And then, all right, basically between Spalletti, I know you like Spalletti more. And, but who who's who's been better um, with Inter Milan? That's a good question. I mean, this is a, my first season with Antonio Conte, so it's kind of like hard because I've had two seasons with Luciano Spalletti, and I got to see more of what he could do. How many title races? Um, but I would have to say Antonio Conte because That's right because if he's the only one who he kept us in the title race for the longest amount of time, which I was surprised. But of course, we ran into a couple of mistakes throughout the season, which caused us to slip and lose that race. But we managed to come back into it like the get last game of the season if. We had one, I guess, against. Oh, who was it? 
for this season? Yeah, like at the Leche. last Leche, and then maybe one Leche, other. Leche, Verona, Alonso are the three ones I think ruined it for you. Well, Alonso, we beat. Remember the final game of the season? Not, no, but not the first time. Oh yeah. Remember when they exited the title race? You had dropped to. I think it was like no, you beat Torino. You dropped to somebody, then you dropped to Leche. And then you got, um, then you dropped to Atlanta, and that was the game Martinez was, um, was on the bench. Um, this, you know, the, the when he didn't bring him in when they needed him. Oh yeah, that that's right. So I think if we had actually won a couple of those matches, we could have been t- the winners of the title. So I think Antonio Conte has kind of like been the better manager in my tenure as an Inter supporter. All right, I got, I got two quest, three more questions, and then we'll we'll re we revisit the the match tomorrow. Um, and then I immediately forgot what I was going to ask. Just give me a second. Um, all right. Obviously, Milan. There's a big rivalry there with AC Milan and Inter Milan. Um. What would it take for Milan to become blue? Ooh. Same amount of league titles. AC Milan has seven, cha- oh, seven, seven Champions Leagues to two. Um, and most people in Milan are Milan fans. But, but just – and whatever success you want to say, what would it take to really make it become sort of your city? Because – you can view it however you want. I look at Inter Milan in that city as guests, house guests. Not you know, not it's not their home. It's their, and I know they're both in Milan, but just because AC Milan has been such a glory-filled thing, and even even though they've they've they're similar domestically, it's just been there's more aura about AC Milan. So what would need to happen for? Things to start to change in that way. Oh, I've never actually been asked this question before, so I feel like you have no words at the this time. So, save this question for another podcast because that way it gives me a little bit of time to actually think about it. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right. So next season you're going to be in the Champions League and the league. So I have two questions: What needs to happen for Inter to go further? And let's just, for the sake of argument. Let's let's just suppose that Inter don't end up in the group of death again. Um, you know, it's all random. The last two years, they've had the same, similar a level of difficulty in the group. Um, so, my question is, what what does Inter need to do to sort of progress further, and what would be an unacceptable place to exit? Okay, let's see. I think if we end, I'm praying to God we don't end up in a group of death again because the past two seasons, that's, I think, been one of the issues. <laughs> but if we were to end up in a group of death where we would actually have to fight, I would say it would come down to the tactics and the adaptab- and adaptability would have to be crucial at that point. Um, would you Would you think that you need more... Depth also. Yeah, because we all know that the midfield, despite having a great amount of midfielders, some of them aren't performing to the level where we usually need them 
And so well, I mean, I mean, depth in terms of more players that could help you in not only the Champions League, but in the league also, because you we've known that inter inter players have gotten hurt a lot this season. Yeah, I think it's because they're operating on a thin squad. Yeah, that's I think depth would is definitely one of the other issues. And um, we've all known that Inter have lacked depth for like the past few seasons now. We've already determined this. Um, because even when I was first becoming an Inter supporter, it was like there was barely any depth and especially when Icardi was on the squad, there was very, like, limited pieces around him to actually create chances and stuff. So, so I think the depth is one th- key area that will, like, make or break us. And okay. I think, like, the unacceptable place to well, add... I just say, where, where do you need to... Sorry, let me just put it this way. Where's the... um. Inter need to make at least this part of the competition for it not to be a failure. I would say at least right now the top eight. So the quarterfinals. Yeah. So so if 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 the quarterfinal if you don't make the quarterfinals, it's a, in Europe, it's a failure. Even if you win the group and lose out in the round of sixteen. Exactly. Like they have to make the top eight. All right. I'm gonna hold you to that. Um, so, oh, so I got. So let me question. put that on the notes. Um, <laughs> so with the depth thing, I just want to come back to this really quick. Would you, and you can answer this as quickly as you want. Um, would you, I don't know how to put this, prioritize depth over, uh, let's say, a starting winger? So let me just give you an example. You, instead of signing Jermaine Boga, you signed. Kevin Lasagna, you sign Hakan Tonalu. I mean, he's never going to go because Milan. You sign um, Brian Cristante and maybe two other players. So now you have five extra players. Would you rather have that? And I didn't. I didn't name bad players. Just by the way, um, would you rather have that or a starting winger who can come in right away and play? I would definitely say the depth. So you'd rather have just a collection of players um, that enter by. So you'd ra- if you could if you're sp- if you're planning on spending sixty million on a player, you would just rather uh, spread it out and get a lot of different uh, players within it. Yes. Um, all right. Um, let's see here. Um, the, answer this as quick as you want. It's a pretty simple question. D- when do you think is the right time to start to look for the heir of Handanovic? So. When- Start looking for a goalkeeper that's going to be the future. And I know Handanovic is 30 years old and is balling out like crazy, but when do you think is the appropriate time to start looking for alternatives uh, long term? I would have actually, I would start maybe this year because Handanovic, how old is he again? 30? 30, no, 30, like 35, 36. He's old as 30. Mid-30s minimum. I, I don't know the exact number. I mean, they need to start looking now because at this point, Handanovic is going to get older and at some point he's going to want to retire. So I guess now would be the opportune time to go and look for his successor 
so that way when he does retire, they already have that replacement, I guess. But of course, so, I was just gonna say. So now that sort of you, you've gone with that, would you? This is just a theory. Would you buy Alex Merritt, the Napoli goalkeeper, because he's become available, and that might be a twenty million signing, something like that. Buy someone like that and bring him into Inter and split time with Handanovic. So, for example, Handanovic plays all he Handanovic will play all the Serie A games except for maybe here or there when when Merritt would start. And Merritt would start every Champions League game and every Coppa Italia game. So you're splitting time between the two goalkeepers to eventually give it a, give it to Merritt. Just an idea. Just an idea. Yeah, that would definitely be a good option because the current options Inter have for backup keepers is not the greatest. And what there's that one keeper that pisses me off to no end because he got sent off while he was on the bench. I think it was Bernie or something. Yeah, he's old. Chris. He's older than him. He's like forty. So, so he yeah. Won't be, he so, won't be. so get rid of him. Um. But yeah, I would definitely go for a player uh, such as what was his name, Merritt. Yeah. Yeah, that would that be would, a good option. That would cost a good amount, but I. I just think it'd be worth it. That's just an idea. Or else you can, you just don't have anything good after them. So if he gets injured, you're not in a good situation. Um, and maybe he got injured last year because of the load that he's taking. Um, all right, let me, I got a fun question this time. Um, if you could bring, and let's just foreclosure, I'm, I'm not, um, let's just ignore all the aliens of, of football, if you could bring one player out of retirement into the inter team, who would you pick? Oh, so no Messi, no Ronaldo, no Arnaud Ronaldo, no Cruyff, um, no Maradona. So those five are aliens to me. So those are, I would classify as aliens. Anybody else you have available to you? I'm take- currently play or used to play. So it could be a player that used to be in their primates and stuff. Yeah. So you, you get, this is just for a fun thing, but you can use this play you get for your, for prime. I definitely would say Javier Zanetti. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, okay. Oh my gosh. My have- brother was in his room. He says, I said Javier Zanetti, and he, my brother was like, oh, spaghetti. I'm like, no, that's Luciano Spaghetti Head. So let's, let's, but you, you don't need that position, though. Just think, think about this from Inter's perspective. You get what I'm saying? Because you already have Bastoni, you have Skriniar, you have DeVry, you have Kambula, you have Hakimi. You get what I'm saying? Right. So what would be your, I, I didn't specify that, but. What would be your second choice of a of a position that you might need? Um, I'm taking prime toddy. Okay, that's a good answer. All right, now back to reality. Um, who do you want Inter to get this summer? Oh, um, just think you 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 watch Syria. Just think of all the players that when you watch them against Inter, like, oh, that's a good player. I'd like to have him. Because we all have these moments, you know what I mean? 
I know we can never afford him, but Zapata, man. <laughs> How would you do that, though? Win the I lottery? Mean, no, not, not, no, no, you have the money. I just don't think that he, he'll make that move, but but how would you play the team with Martinez and Lukaku already there? Would you play three up front? Yeah. Or use him as a depth signing? Because I think he would be a depth signing if he went I to would, Inter. Okay, then at that point, yeah, I would say a depth signing. Just to have that, like, just in case if one of the players ends up, Lukaku or Martinez ends up injured, God forbid, and we need somebody to take over in that role. All right. I got to check my questions one more time. Um, and see if I have anything else. And otherwise, we'll just go over the, the game one more time. All right, got one more question about something else, and then we'll go back into the Shakhtar game and, and talk about it a little bit longer, and then we'll get out of here. Um, does winning the Europa League, not for you, Personally, because obviously winning the Europa League for you is, is everything. But does if Conte wins the Europa League um, with Inter this um, year, does it change anything next season? Does it change anything going forward? Or is it just sort of uh, a good thing that happened this season? I think nothing would change, really, to be honest with you. Inter would probably are still going to probably end up being the favorites going into next season to win the league. And although, and I mean, to a lot of Inter supporters, I totally understand where you're coming from. You guys have seen Champions League, but a Europa League title for you guys isn't that exciting. And this really wouldn't change much, but... I'm going to go on the record as a person who's never experienced a title. It, when it, Hopefully when we win, even though it's going to be difficult, especially against teams like Shakhtar and Sevilla, this will be like everything for me because I would finally get to experience seeing a title. But I think it really doesn't change anything. It's going to be Inter going to be the favorites. Inter are going to be in the Champions League again. And... Even though they're already saying Conte is going to leave, I really doubt that. We all know he likes to run his mouth to get what he wants. He basically just watch the training video, and you tell me if that's a man who wants to leave. Exactly. So Conte, despite all these garbage rumors, he's going to be there next season. So I really don't think a lot's going to change. I think, but I just thought of something. Okay, you would have won everything you can win in world football if you win the Europa League. Because you've won the Champions League, you've won the league, you've won domestic uh, cups, you've won the Super Copas of the world. Um, I think you won a World Club Cup. So literally everything, you, the Europa League, would, you would at that point have won everything possible. So that's kind of cool. True. Um, all right. On the Conte thing. Last question, then we'll get back to We'll talk about Shaka real quick and then we'll get out of here. Um, if, if Conte fails to impress next season, gets sacked at the end of next season, and feel free, free, feel free to think about this, who would you like Inter to go get that would feel that you would feel comfortable going forward? Um, if you need some examples, I'll give some to you. I already have a couple in my head, but I really need time to think about this. These are cer- certain questions I'll need to be re-asked in a later podcast because I need time to think. 
Wait, who, who do you have on your list right now? Oh, I agree. Even though this football's boring as heck. Um, I can't even pronounce his name. I'm going to pick, you know, what is his name? Pochettino. Him. Those are like my two uh, options at this point right now. So I have to okay. think. I'll give you, I'll give you a few more and just answer. And then we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this and you'll have a better answer next time. Hopefully they won't, they won't be needing this answer, but, um, Zidane, I think you can get Zidane out of there. Um, Simeone, Atletico Madrid is another choice. Um, if you want Italian ones that are in the league right now, uh, um, uh, Roberto Zerbi from Sassuolo. Um, uh, who's another one? Yeah, those are all the ones I can think of right now. I mean, the obvious answer would be Pep, but we know that's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. Um, I'm... A lot of those options. Not that. Which one do you think is the would be like? Let's just, for example, let's say you you see the headline that these people are signed. Which one do you get the most excited about? That's really still a question we have to revisit because I have to think. Okay, fair enough. All right, back back to Shakhtar. Um, enter just for next couple of minutes. Um, well, I'll just go over it a little. What is your biggest concern going into this match? And um, yeah, just let's just start with that, and then we'll wrap up. Um, I think the main, like the main concern, will be the organization of Shakhtar and their ability to both to like be on the create strong attacks at the and then also create strong counterattacks as well. Um, so I think they're just their like overall ability to be well cohesive is gonna be the uh, thing that terrifies me the most. Okay, let's say for the sake of argument that Shakhtar has a plan for Lukaku, and he can't be the bully he usually is. If that happens, who's the most important piece to to get them get them on terms? Oh God! That's a good question. Uh, you got Barella. You have Erickson. You have Martinez. Even like uh, I think Barella. Well, um, why? Yeah, Barello, I think, would be, like, the one that would help us because he even scored in the match against Leverkusen. He's really good at reading the where the ball is and getting it where it needs to be. So whether it's scoring a goal of his own or getting it to a player to assist in a goal, I think that's going to be the thing that may end up deciding it if they end up isolating Lukaku. Very well put. <laughs> Um. All right. Um. What's your score? Oh. Um. Can I give my supporter one and my unbiased one? 
you give me your unbiased one first and then say your supporter one. Okay, my unbiased one, two one, Shakhtar. Wow. All right, well. And my unbiased one, three one, Inter. <laughs> That's my biased one. You're, you're going to love mine, actually, for multiple. Well, well, we'll see. So, tomorrow's games, the way I see it, you're going to see a lot of goals. <laughs> this might sound crazy. I got 3-3 three, three going into extra time. No goals. In, okay, 2-2 three, two, two going into extra time. Inter score to make it 3-2 in the first half of extra time. Jack Tower score in the second half of extra time. You go to a penalty shootout, and because Inter have Samir Handanovic, Inter win, I'm going to say 5-3 on penalties. Oh, my gosh. Penalty shootout. Holy Toledo. <laughs> because we're, we're running out of space for a penalty shootout. Yes, we are. We got this one and two other games, and that's it. it. It has to happen. I don't think I've ever been involved. Oh, it didn't. I guess not. There's been a few years where there hasn't been penalty shootouts, but there usually is at least one. Um, so I'm going, I'm going three, three, a draw, but intro wins five, three on penalties. Is that, um, is that your unbiased one or your biased one? No, that's my unbiased one. My, <laughs> um, my biased one is, is four two Shakhtar <laughs> because whether intro win or not, I want to see goals. So I obviously would like intro not to go through, um, so, but if they're not going through, I want to see him score some. I don't want Lukaku to be in a semifinal and not score goals. You get what I'm saying? Right. So regardless, but I think I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game because I just think the Shakhtar attack is too good, too athletic, too skilled not to score goals. And I think Inter have, have – they have too many good players not to score. And I know Shakhtar is incredible, but in terms of uh, offensive – uh, the way they play, but but they, you have Lukaku, Martinez, Varela, Erickson, um, uh, Handanovic. I mean, there's too many good players on these teams for it not to be like a goal fest. So my so my official prediction is three three, Inter win five three on penalties, and I'm going to say um, Varela scores the 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 winning kick. <laughs> That's actually that actually sounds good. All right. So unless you have anything to add, um, I think this this should do it for the show. I don't think I have anything except Forza Inter. Let's go, boys. Let's get it done tomorrow. Forza Shakhtar. Oh. Goodbye and good <laughs> this this podcast has been sponsored by the Inter Hate Club. <laughs> and this has also been sponsored by Roma is OK Club.